Welcome to the Barbells and Briefcases podcast, the official business and fitness podcast. Today is episode 53, and we have our good friend, the Wall Street Rooster, Juan Gallo. Juan is a senior case manager at a law firm here in Las Vegas. He's also a stock investor and coach with a passion for teaching normal people how to understand and invest in the stock market. Juan, Thank you for coming on and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. <laughs> so uh, I just screwed up the, the intro there like three times. But all right, guys, this comes with perfect timing, I would say, just because of what's going on in the world and <laughs> Definitely. something There's, has united us. Yeah, right. Finally. There's more people paying attention to the stock market probably the last like five or six days than they probably have in the last five or six years. Yeah. 100%. That's the power of the internet. But... For once, you know, um, something has united us. You know, we've been divided for the last, like, year and a half, two years. Uh, <laughs> um, and GameStop, of all of all things, has united, you know, um, also people from all different sorts of walks of life. And um, we're excited to talk about this today because, like I said, it comes with perfect timing. And there's a lot of just, like, regular people that are interested in stocks all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. No. I've. I've. I can't recall the last time I've had so many people ask me about one stock in particular. I, I mean, you can't even imagine how many people have come to me and said, "Hey, when? Uh, when should I get in GameStop?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, did they? I mean, let's just start with that. Did they miss the boat already, or is? <laughs> so I mean, it's it, it's such a hard thing to understand because what what you're saying is, yeah, this is bringing on a lot of new people into stocks. Uh, it's it's bringing a lot of new people in a good way, but also in a bad way. Because GameStop is not an example uh, of of good investment of good investments, good fundamental investments. So what's what's important for people to understand is, hey, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're gonna take you're, you're gonna maybe take your first baby step into investing, but uh, learn how to do it the right way. GameStop is not a good example on how to get started here. Yeah, and that's something that you maybe specialize in is long term fundamental investing correct okay explain what that means so what that is is knowing how to choose company buying their stock and 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 i I wouldn't hesitate hesitate to say buy the stock i would say just invest in their company and and know what you're investing in and know why you're doing it okay kind of like kind of like if people i kind of equate it to people watching shark tank people watch shark tank and and they like it they enjoy it and the the one common denominator that these these guys the sharks always go into is valuation. Am I buying this company at a good valuation? Am I getting a good deal? That is something that I I am totally about is getting a good deal when you buy a company. Okay. Um, how did you get started with investing? Like I know that you have a. a- a similar background to us in banking, U.S. Yeah, Bank. Correct, yeah. And is that when you got started, or how did it get, start- how did so get I, started? So I I started several years ago, uh, very small, because I, like most people, stocks seem like such an outlandish thing, such such an impossible thing to grasp, because there's, there's this belief out there, maybe not so much now as before, that it's just a hard thing to do, because there's so many numbers, and the Wall Street guys seem like these they reach these impossible levels of wealth, but really it's so it's so accessible to everybody. And I didn't know this. And just little by little, I started researching, watching YouTube, which is what you know how people learn how to do things nowadays. Mm-hmm. Watching is. YouTube, reading books, and just just 
watching CNBC and just little by little you get into the game. Kind of, I kind of about it like fantasy football. When you get into fantasy football, your first season of playing fantasy football is gonna you're not gonna do very well. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you're gonna these people that pick. You know, oh, I want Tom Brady because. You know he's Tom Brady. Yeah, he's yeah. just he's just the best. So I'm gonna get him first overall pick. It's like no, no, that's not that's not the best way to do it. But okay, so it's kind of like fail and learn, fail and learn. So I've done that for quite a bit, in which I think that I already got into a place in which I I kind of know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. What uh, what were some of the mistakes you made early on? So mistakes investing in companies I didn't fully understand. Like what? So I'll tell you. Uh, I have a company that I invested called Amarin. AMRN is the symbol. This is a, a, a bio biotech company that sold only one product. It was called Vasipa, which was a fish oil supplement to reduce uh, the risk of heart attack in men over their 40s. I thought, wow, what a great product. But it really wasn't uh, because I didn't really fully understand what makes a good biotechnology company good. What makes them increase their revenues. And the the lesson I learned there is I you shouldn't invest in companies that just sell one product. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't do that. You should also not invest in in companies that you don't fully understand because on top of on top of them being a company, even if you understand them at a at a minimum level, there's also the FDA. How how does this company deal with the FDA? Uh, how is this one drug that they sell going to be affected by FDA standards and, and their approval process. So this company went through kind of like this odyssey of, um, how do I explain this? Um, or the, not odyssey, but battle with the FDA to increase, to expand their label so more doctors would be able to prescribe it. Okay. And I didn't really fully understand the dynamics of that. And that just went over my head. So I, I sold out of it after I learned my lesson. Okay. Now, now that everyone's getting involved with stocks, everyone's become almost like a fad. Um, I have a question. So, what, what do people? I know that Warren Buffett says that you know, think of it as you're buying into a business. Like you're actually becoming an owner of this business, and therefore you should take a different type of ownership. You should understand, just like you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. But how do you research stocks before investing? It's it. It's a lot easier than what you think. Any anybody who is who is thinking of buying, let's say, the stock of Apple, everybody knows what Apple does. Everybody knows they sell iPhones, they sell tablets, they sell whatever, right? Um, not everybody knows they have a credit card in conjunction with Goldman Sachs. How do they make money off that credit card? So, what everybody should do before they invest in a company is Google their investor relation site. So you can just go to Google and type Apple Investor Relations and go into the Investor Relations site. There there you will see investor presentations. You will see what's called their 10K or annual report. And that annual report has a, it kind of looks very businessy and very complicated, but I read a couple of them. It's really not. And I always encourage people to say, to to just go read the whole annual report because everything you want to know a company is right there in that annual report. Everything, everything, everything. Also, their risk factors. That company will tell you how risky th- themselves they are and what can happen and how things can go wrong for them. Okay. 
There's like calls that you I know you you get on calls. These are just calls that are available to the public. Conference like, calls, yeah, absolutely. Conference calls are are, are they just like the bank calls that we used to be on. It well, yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, you know, the bank calls we used to be on were kind of just everybody just slept through them. Right, <laughs> but right. these are actually these calls are actually very interesting. These are the CEOs tell you a story when they report their numbers. We're in the middle of earnings season right now, and I always post when when uh, we got earnings season, and we get re- I get really busy because I'm always posting about, hey, what are these companies saying so people can go and, and listen to these calls and get the same level of understanding. At first, they're going to sound like a lot of gibberish because they go over a lot of numbers and a, bu- a bunch of percentages and how their revenues increase year over year. And But a lot of times, that's not as important as the story they're telling. Okay. So how do you parse through all the numbers and all the gibberish to the important stuff. What are the important factors that you look for in a company you're looking to invest in? So the first factor I look at is, do I love the business? That's it. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Do you love this business? Um, and I always tell the people that I coach is, first love the business. First learn, learn what they do and actually get excited about it. The best investments, ones that you get really, really excited about. If you're just investing in Apple because everybody else is doing it, then that might not be a sound investment for you. So what I do is I first fall in love with the business, then we move into all the metrics, all the valuation, just to see if you're if you're buying it at the right price. But beginners, what they should do is first understand it, fall in love with it, then just write down five things that you like about them. And with each thing that, that you write about it, justify how that one thing is going to increase the earnings. If, for example, if you're writing things like, I like their logo, their logo is more than likely not going to increase their revenue, right? But I'm talking in relation to things that are going to increase their customer base, that are going to, they're going to make them more money. Are they coming out with something revolutionary or are they coming out with something new or addressing a whole different market that what they're doing? How are they growing? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. kind of like how Tesla exploded. Let's use them as an example. Yeah, Tesla. Re- revolutionary, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Then they explode, and but you would argue that Tesla is overvalued right now. I would, I would argue that Tesla is overvalued because, in my mind, it's very easy to fall in love with Tesla. Like I've told you before, Nick, you you have to realize when the ship has sailed. You have to realize when you're too late and when you when you're just kind of jumping in with the crowd, right? Because Tesla right now is worth more than all the major automakers combined. Of them so we're talking toyota honda ford chevy all of them combined and tesla only sells half a million cars in a year and the other automakers combined sell like 42 million cars in a year so the valuation of tesla being worth more than all those automakers i believe the ship has sailed okay i have a question follow-up question to that sure what's the difference between a ship has sailed and adding to your position or maybe buying the dips or whatever like just because a ship has sailed does that mean don't buy the dips or just wait or just the ship has sailed don't get into it it depends on the quality of the dip so for example tesla's dropped 100 points i don't think anybody's realized during this gamestop craze (laughs) that tesla's fallen 100 points that's a good time to buy add to your position maybe Uh, maybe depends on your depends on how much cash you have right and depends on your specific position because there's people that could find that right now it's a great time to add, but for some people it doesn't make sense. For somebody like me, it doesn't make sense yet. Still need another probably 150, 200 point drop for me 
to feel good about it on a valuation metric because Tesla carries a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. And oh, my, sure. um, my, my strategy is we don't buy the hype. I before the hype, kind of like my stock Palantir, we got under the hype on Palantir, and now it's I'm, I'm up 300% on Palantir because we got in before Wall Street did and before the hype people got in it. It sounds like, like when you're like sports betting and you don't want to bet on the team that the public is betting on. That's like the sucker bet. Exactly. Similar yeah. To that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar. It's it's. I I go back to to fantasy football. You want to get that guy who's like you know getting picked ninth round, ninth tenth round. Mm. That is going to be good in, value. That's gonna, yeah, yeah. That's going to be that yeah. great the value. Value as like a second round running back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like like Diggs this season, right? Yes. Yes. Diggs is like he's going in what the seventh or eighth, like right. sixth round, yeah. roughly something sixth something round. like that. Very like the twenty or thirtieth like drafted yeah. wide receiver and probably the second or third best stats out of all the receivers. Yeah, yeah. so very, very late in the draft, and then uh, and then next year he's going to be like in the first or second round. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And now he's not all of a sudden the greatest value because he's he's being he's not slept on anymore. Exactly. That's a good comparison. Yeah. I kind of like that. It makes mm-hmm. like uh, for I know there's a lot of people that probably watch fantasy football but don't know about stocks. Yeah, that's a really good uh, really good comparison there. Way to get some bang for your buck. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So let's elaborate more on the the GameStop, AMC, Nokia. These are all companies that are dying. Like I saw this joke the other day where it's like, everyone get into Blockbuster and Circuit City. And then I had to look it up and I was like, wait, there are no stocks for those companies. <laughs> because there's... Well, isn't Blockbuster still... No, no, no. no, okay. no I think there's like one there's, one blockbuster, one blockbuster in, Ameri- in America and I think it's Alaska. <laughs> there's one still? It's in Oregon, yeah. In Oregon, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Probably just cool just to go there, just to get like nostalgia. <laughs> right, yeah. But um, what what's going on with this? I mean, I guess let's start from the beginning. Give us like a breakdown of sure. from beginning to end. Like, how did this start? And then what happened during this week? A breakdown for somebody that doesn't know anything. Sure, just sure. Got so, into stocks like this. And, week. and I'm glad we're going over this because you know it draws it draws so much attention from people that have never been in it, and and it's important for them to understand that it's a lot more complicated than what it seems. Yeah. So. Top is a company that, like you said, Nick, it's it's dying. It's reducing their revenues or decreasing revenues every year. Close it has stores. a ton of competition from Xbox, Sony, Amazon. people. Yeah, Amazon. People just don't buy video games on CDs anymore. So it's they're turning from a CD, uh, you know, kind of video game uh, retailer into a kind of like comic book store type. Go go buy your your bobbleheads and. That kind of store, and there's not a lot of money in that, so it's it's heavily shorted. And what I mean by heavily shorted, meaning there's these Wall Street firms that bet against a stock. So they're, when you, they're they're betting on its failure, they're like, betting on its failure. They're, they're going to go out of business. Correct, and they make money as the stock price decreases through their specific bet, which we call a put option. So when when these when these uh, companies pile on into a business to try to kind of you know bet against it into oblivion. Happened is that the the Wall Street bets guys saw that there was a, a short interest of over a hundred percent, and let me let me make that as simply uh, as simple as I can. What's for, uh, Wall Street bets guys? Who are they? Oh well, the Wall Street bets guys are the Reddit group. So the Reddit groups, uh, this Reddit group commands two point seven million followers, or like three million followers right now, in which they've identified these stocks that have a high short interest from Wall Street. 
So they said, hey, we can actually overwhelm these guys with the number of followers we have and create what's called a gamma squeeze. And I'm kind of like uh, throwing out all these Wall Street kind of kind of terms, but they're buying the stocks and putting the opposite bet, which is called a call option, and they're overwhelming these guys. And when these guys see, these Wall Street guys see that their bets are going the other way, they they panic and they have to cover their bets and they're forced, and what I mean by cover their bets is they're forced to buy the stock that we're betting against at a huge premium. It creates the stock to just skyrocket upwards. <laughs> so this has already lasted about, you know, about what, a week already? Yeah, like, like five days. Yeah, like five days. It's already lasted like five days. So the, the gamma squeeze is already done. What we see nowadays are the remnants of people that are just getting in the market thinking GameStop is a sound investment. Which it's not. Which is not. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just not. It's, it Right now, it commands like a $23 billion value. So imagine if somebody came to you and said, hey, do you want to buy my business for $23 billion? You'd want to know how much money they're making. Right. And what the trends are and, and, and do your due diligence. And th- there's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good about it. I, I guess the only, the only bit of good, good news is that they have a new CEO uh, that came from Starbucks, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But... Um, that that's not enough for me to pay you twenty five billion dollars to buy your company, right? So we've kind of, I guess, people have figured out how to how to game the system. <laughs> like, I'm surprised yeah. this didn't even happen sooner because, like, right. it's like Reddit's been around. Reddit's been around for ten years, uh, and like, there's been message boards since like the beginning of the internet. But I guess, like you said, it just took a, a message board with two million and a members and a pandemic. Yeah, and a pandemic. Where a, lot, a lot of people, a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know checks from the government, and you know, or or maybe lots of trading, and, and 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 they got good at trading, and they never really learned fundamental investment, and they still don't go and research a company the way that we talked in the beginning. Yeah. So they think it's uh, stocks are just a, a number that just it's they they buy one or they bet it for it and it's just supposed to go up. That's just what it does. But don't you think the Wall Street bets like I mean these are smart people too that like saw the what the over hundred percent in uh, what's it called the shorting or how yeah the, the the Wall Street banks yeah they they saw that they were over shorting the stock and they wanted to like this was more of a strategy to kind of stick it to the. The hedge funds correct to the man and that, more than very more smart. than betting on a company like for its future or its viability going forward, and it was more about sticking it to the hedge funds. Absolutely, and and that that's the smart portion of of uh, of the Wall Street bets uh, crowd. But I, I don't think that they should all be painted with the same brush. I mm-hmm. think there's a contingent of guys that are very smart. They've been around for a long time. That are part of Wall Street bets. That they know what they're doing. And they know they know how to target these, and they know how to strategize to make money. It's not a fundamental decision, and it's it's more of a trader's mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very smart, but I think there's also a big contingent of followers right. that will that will kind of jump off the cliff with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And that it, that is the reason why yesterday we see like a sixty percent move on on GameStop because people are realizing this and they're saying, "Hey, should I jump in?" Like I said at the beginning, like. I've never had so many people in my life ask me for advice on, on one stock, GameStop. Mm-hmm. I've had people go, hey, is it time to jump in? And I'm like, no, it's never been a time to jump in. <laughs> so that's, you know. So where does this play out the next week or week or two? It's it's hard to say because I, I feel that there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of mentality out there of still sticking it to the man, which is done. So there's a lot of people that think that, hey, I'm going to buy some GameStop and I'm sticking it to the man. And my mm-hmm. answer would be, you're too late to do that. The guys, <laughs> the guys who did that already won the game. Right. They already won the game. They made the, their dent. Yeah. They, not even a dent. They destroyed these guys. Mm-hmm. These Wall Street firms, and, and I think on Monday we had a big sell-off. Tuesday we had a big uptrend. Then... Yesterday, even we had a big sell-off. The that's significant. The the reason, or what it shows me, is the Wall Street guys are selling their winners, the good stocks, Apple, Facebook, you know, the Fangs, uh, Netflix, Google. They're selling those good stocks to cover the losses they took mm-hmm. in this GameStop gamble. And that's why overall the stock market went down this week. Exactly. And then wow. you still see GameStop going up. You see AMC going up. AMC, not only AMC theaters, AMC networks. <laughs> so. This People is just betting them by accident. Yeah, they're 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 thinking, oh, AMC. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pull up the first ticker that pulls up with the name AMC, and it, it's wow. it's a, it's like AMC X, and it's like AMC Networks, and it went up like fifty percent for no good reason. Just because there's lots of un- uneducated investors. Exactly. Well, thank you for that Cliff Notes version of what's happening right now, and and giving people understanding. Like seriously, you just breaking that down just makes it. Uh, it's it's. That was probably the best description of uh, I've I've heard of what's going on right now. Um, Thanks, appreciate it. And that's what I actually really like about your you know your your social media and you know you do daily reports like all right guys this is the lowdown and you just do this daily lowdown where it's like you know like twenty to thirty like you know Instagram stories where you're just <laughs> like this is the lowdown and I really love the way you break it down. You've gotten me into a couple stocks. I've bought in you know, Beyond Meats, I bought in uh, DraftKings and uh, what's the third? Rocket Mortgage. Just Rocket. strictly off a recommendation. I'm, I'm, I don't know it. So I'm just like, <laughs> let me just trust the pro. And um, it took a minute, but we're seeing some gains with those couple with those few stocks. So if you guys Well, Beyond Meat was, was doing really well. They, their partnership with, with Pepsi was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the reason I invested in Beyond Meat was because th- this is a company that I think that around the time that I bought it, it became undervalued. So I've been watching it for a long time, traded in the you know 130s, 140s, 150s, and I thought it's still a little bit too pricey for me because I'm not looking to buy a stock and just gain 15, 20, 30%. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to hold it for the long term and make 200, 300, 400% gains over. On, on these companies over a long period of time. That's I believe that's where the real money is made um, You know, with sound fundamental investment. So in the case of Beyond Meat, what we have is we have a company that is still young, still doesn't have the approval of kind of the big corporations out there, the big food, uh, the the food retailers, but slowly they're gaining more traction with their contracts. I mean, we have the Taco Bell deal. That was pretty good. We have McDonald's that's still pending. And then we have now distribution worldwide through Pepsi. And that changed, I think that was last week. And that shot up the the stock significantly higher, which it should. And that's the reason a stock should move. Mm. Yeah, so if you guys don't follow Juan yet, you guys need to follow him on you guys need to follow him on Instagram. What is it? Wall Street Rooster? At the Wall Street Rooster. At the Wall but there's a couple underscores in there, right? Yeah, at the underscore wall underscore street underscore <laughs> <All right>. cool. <laughs> So thanks for uh thanks for breaking that down for us. Now, can can the stock market be trusted long term with all the recent, you know, manipulation allegations and like there's a lot of people that are like, this is messed up and and these people should be behind bars and and 
how do you feel with everything going on? Like, can can we trust in stocks long so term? I, I would say yes, uh, because the the problem these people had is how, and to my interpretation of the problem they had is how is it that you can have greater than a hundred percent short interest in a stock? Right. The the easiest way to explain that is. I have, for example, a corporation called, uh, you know, the Nick Saka Corporation, and they have 100 shares available mm-hmm. in that corporation. How is it that I can borrow 146 shares against 100 shares? Right. That makes no sense to anybody. And that, I think, is the greatest point that anybody needs to walk away with this is you shouldn't be able to bet against a quantity of stocks greater than the quantity of stocks. And that's not like a rule or a regulation or anything no, in there? No, and, and it makes absolutely no sense. I think if you look at GameStop today, the last time I looked at it, it had like a 260% short interest, which is insane. So it's like saying like, Nick, your corporation, I, I want to bet against it. Your corporation has a total of 100 shares, but I want to borrow 260 shares against that. That makes no sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. So can it? So overall, can we trust stocks? I think yes. Uh, I think that at the end of the day, the the fundamental people are going to win. I think that this is this is something that is um, going to fade out. I hope that it fades out. Uh, but there there is something that the, that the stock market overall has to realize is that there's this big contingent of new investors that are using, that are using Robinhood that are that are into this market that we're going to have to deal with. They're the future of the market. And my my goal is to teach them the right way of doing things because buying stocks is a business decision, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. You're deciding to take ownership of a business. And as a new investor, you're doing, and what, what, what I see most of these people are doing is jumping from, oh, today I own Rocket, or and yet tomorrow I won't own Pepsi. And after that, I'm going to own Apple. Like, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that transient. Okay. Um couple questions here uh do you own or do you do you explain what dividend stocks are and explain if you if you believe in them or you know own oh, dividend yeah. stocks I, I absolutely believe in dividend stocks um so di- dividend stocks is just a good way to mitigate your risk or minimize your risk against a growth stock so dividend stocks are really good because they are they're your passive income they pay you every quarter, right? They pay you every quarter. You can look, you can look them up, and and you'll see how much they pay you every year, and every quarter. There's there's some stocks out there, for example, that right now pay me four or five dollars a share every quarter, and I love doing that, and I love reinvesting that money that I get, and that is that's a good growth strategy, to for doing that. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that believe that dividend stocks are kind of like the the old man stocks, like the you know the the McDonald's and the big pharmaceutical companies that are out there that that their revenues don't change tremendously, but most of their profits are given to their shareholders as dividends. I I kind of try to diversify myself, and I do have dividend stocks in conjunction in my portfolio with growth stocks. Okay, which ones are the best ones? And do you have to wait until they're until they're at a low? Pr- I mean, you should wait until they're priced pretty low to, to invest in them, so that way you can yeah, invest the, in both worlds. The fundamentals don't change, so I still even if it's a dividend stock, I, I do look at the price, the price against the earnings. It's called the PE ratio. There's also what's called the forward PE, which is the forward earnings ratio, which is it's a little bit harder to understand, but it's the expectations of revenue or the price of the stock against the expectations of its revenue in the next 12 months. 
So there's a lot of stocks that are that are cheap on a current earnings uh, uh, ratio, but very expensive on a forward earnings ratio if they're not going to grow their earnings. Okay. What uh, give us a couple examples of, of dividend stocks you like? Yeah. So I I own Avi. Avi is uh, is a pharmaceutical company, which has a whole slew of drugs out there, and they pay me right now about a five percent dividend. They're very cheap on is a it price. Five percent on their total price of their stock, or five percent on what? On, on the total amount invested. Oh, okay. yeah. So okay. so my my whole lump sum of money I have invested in them, they're gonna pay me five percent a wow. year. So you have a hundred thousand with them. They're gonna pay you they're five thousand a year. They're gonna pay you five thousand a year. Exactly. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really good, right? <laughs> and, if it, and if it increases in value, yeah. Too. And, and imagine if you roll that over, you know, over three, four, five, ten years. But companies can change their dividend, right? They can say, "Hey, yes. guys, times are tough." Yeah, three percent. And the factor that you look to make sure that the dividend is safe is called the payout ratio. You can find it on Yahoo Finance or on your broker site. It's called the payout ratio, and you want a company that has a low payout ratio. What that means is the portion of their earnings that they're giving to their shareholders as a dividend, is the dividend a big portion of the earnings or is it a small portion of the earnings? You want usually under 50%. There's other companies that I own that have like a 300% um, payout ratio, which is very high, but they're real real estate investment trusts like uh, Crown Castle, the symbol CCCI. I'm sorry, CCI. It's a, it's a company that the cell phone towers and it's uh, you know and they they rent their cell phone towers to Verizon, T-Mobile, uh, you know, and the other carriers and that's how they make their money and it's a great business for recurring revenue, but it's a it's a, it's called a REIT, a real estate investment trust, and what they do is that they pass on the vast majority of their earnings to their shareholders. Okay? Um I got a question on I mean this we're going to I mean, we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but Miller, do you have any questions before I jump into this one? Um, yeah. Uh, so with everything that's happened like this week, how do you feel about what what the future landscape will look like for like the investing apps? Like, what do you th- is Robinhood dead? I think it's going to die. Uh, I I, I kind of want it to, <laughs> you know. Honestly, <laughs> I kind of want it to die because that I used to I used to like Robinhood. I think what they did for overall Wall Street for overall small investors is great, which is they destroyed commission trading. Totally took a hammer to it and they, they blew it out of the water. So mm-hmm. that that's the reason that Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, all those guys now don't charge you commissions for trades. Mm. And I think that is something wonderful they did and we should thank them all day, every day. For it. But the problem with Robinhood is it's very unstable. They cannot handle large volumes, large volume days in trade. So there's there's some days in which there's a lot of trading going on, days that there's there's a lot or you know or very little. So when there's a lot of trade and when people start panicking and the trade volumes go through the roof, Robinhood can't handle that or it seems like they can't handle that. Also, it, with this GameStop situation, they kind of brought to light that they have a liquidity problem. They have a cash problem because these brokers are are supposed to have through the SEC guidelines a certain amount of cash to be able to operate because when you upload money into your app, it doesn't really automatically get uploaded there. Like it doesn't instantaneously go from your bank to Robinhood. It takes some time to go through the clearinghouse, but Robinhood gives you access to that money through their own credit line mm. or through whatever you know system they got. 
And when you're using that money to trade, you know, three, four times a day, multiply that by 2.7 million Redditors, you have a problem. So I think it was last week, uh, this week, Tuesday, I think they took out like a $700 million, $1 billion credit line to try to help with that uh, that liquidity problem. But it should show us that really it's, it's still an app in its infancy and they're going to go public and they're they're losing trust of a lot of people, especially the new investors. Yeah, oh, even yeah. just halting this, the trading for the 12 hours or however long that they did, that broke a lot of trust because it yes. made everybody think that they were like on the side of the hedge funds and the big banks and not really for the smaller investor. There's a lot of questions to ask there that they're not going to give us the answers to. Mm-hmm. And I think they never will because I think these, these big Wall Street firms have a hand in there somehow. I don't know how. Um, and there's a lot of questions they need to answer, and I, I don't think we're going to get those answers. And yeah. halting trade, limiting trade um, to a couple shares uh, for GameStop and for AMC or whatever else. I think today they, they announced like 50 different companies were going to have restricted trade, including our rocket companies. They're going to have restricted trade, and I thought that was just awful. That That's not good. Not healthy. Now, uh, there's talks about cryptocurrency exploding because it's uh what not not regulated or um maybe not, i don't know if that's the word but there's a lot of people that don't trust you know the stock market and stuff like that with everything going on and there's a lot of people uh you know i mean i i don't know it's big bitcoin and crypto does seem kind of like a cult um and i know for a fact that i don't know anything about it i know that most people don't know anything about it but people are just kind of sure. riding that wave sure. What are your thoughts on that, and and do you see that, you know, continuing to, to go up, or if it's just kind of hype? So I think crypto is a completely different animal. It's something that I I haven't done. I have a funny story about my wife and uh, and cryptocurrencies. I can tell you guys about that later. But um, so with with crypto, Bitcoin, uh, Dogecoin, and and you know, and Ethereum, those, those are online currencies. They're not based on anything. Um, they're based on faith. Like what GameStop is nowadays, right? It's just based on people's faith and, and, and anything other than fundamentals. But I, I do think that Bitcoin in relation to the market has become a replacement for gold. Mm-hmm. So before, you know, like uh, our, when, when our parents and our, you know, and, and our, you know, our ancestors were trading back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whenever they would freak out in the market, they'd go buy gold mm-hmm. or they'd go buy bonds. So now that now that you have no uh, no real yield from bonds because the interest rates are so low in the country, bonds are no longer a place for safety for people to freak out. It's another reason why our market's so high, because bonds no longer act like a safety measure against the market. And the the next safety measure is gold. You have a, a contingent of young people who could care less to buy gold. They could honestly care less. So what replaces that? Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Dogecoin. Interesting. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Huh. And so that's why it's exploding, because it's the modern-day gold. Yeah, so, and, and it, also, it also has to do with, with interest rates, in my opinion, because the less money is worth, the more a crypto-based currency is going to be worth. So our dollars become devalued because of the massive amount of stimulus out there. So the less that our dollars are worth, the more that Bitcoin will rise, in my opinion. And I think that even experts see a correlation between those two things. Yeah. 
So in other words, Bitcoin is going to explode. <laughs> because I, I, I think it will. I mean, there's people that talk about Bitcoin going to 400,000. I don't know about that. But um, like, like I tell you, I think for me, that ship has sailed. I, I yeah. think the Bitcoin ship has sailed. Um, it's risky, too. Yeah. I mean, the last time it – as soon as the um, – I can't remember the timing of when it exploded the first time. It got up to like 18,000, 19,000. That was like Correct. two years ago. I think so. I think it was like a year or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as – I don't know. What, what triggered that? Do you guys remember? I think – I don't remember there what triggered any, it. Um, there wasn't uncertainty in the market. like, or Or was it correlated with like – Oh snaps! We're going into recession. Bitcoin skyrockets. I can't remember the timing of it. It could have been. It could have been something like that. But I, I think that was the beginning of of the popularity of Bitcoin. I think it had a lot to do with hey, this Bitcoin thing. It's new. It's it's a new way of exchanging. Uh, you know, currency. Um, you you can't track it. And but I, I also what I do remember about Bitcoin is that it there Coinbase or there was a big uh, a big uh, Bitcoin kind of dealer out there, a company that deals Bitcoin. They got hacked. They got a bunch of it stolen or something happened, and I think it, that's when it dropped significantly. So I think there's probably better measures of security out there for that. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, I just don't remember why. But I do remember exactly when, um, um, when it went to like eighteen, nineteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And then I told my wife, I said, "Hey, you remember those bitcoins I owned that you that you told me <laughs> I should sell because it's really oh, nothing." You own how many did you own? So I, I had two bitcoins oh. at three hundred dollars a bitcoin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, when she listens, she's gonna be like, "Oh my god, here we go." So I own, uh, <laughs> oh. I own, to- I own two Bitcoin at three hundred dollars each, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna keep this just in case. I'm not even gonna look at it. Uh, and then, and then she- my wife said, "What is? What are these transactions in our in our bank statement for Coinbase? What what, what is that?" <laughs> and I go, "Well, yeah, I'm just putting money away for Bitcoin." She's no, 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 get get that out of there. And then I got it out, and then every time, every time Bitcoin uh, crosses the new record, I'm like, "Hey, baby, did you see? <laughs> Bitcoin hit thirty. Bitcoin hit forty grand. So, hey, you know, it's just just another good day." Yeah, <laughs> dang, that's crazy. Uh-huh. There's a lot of Bitcoin billionaires right now. Keep yeah. that bottle when it was nothing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I remember wow. when I was in college, it was like a hundred dollars for a Bitcoin. What year was this? That was like 2008, 2009. Oh, yeah. I forget that it was around like around that time. Yeah. Well, it came out of like the financial the the financial crisis, the crash of like two thousand eight. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, it's just I'm just it's just the uh, the reason I asked you about like when it exploded last time. I guess I'm just trying to figure out if whenever we feel stable again as an economy and all this is behind us, you know, COVID and then the, this whole money printing issue, if Bitcoin will tank again. I believe that it will because I think it's it's tied into. The, str- the, right? the, the, like... the strength of the dollar. Mm-hmm. And we've devalued a currency through stimulus, through the Federal Reserve just printing cash like there's no tomorrow. And we've done it on purpose to maintain our economy, to make sure we can send out you know, stimulus checks and that we can keep things running. And when that's done, when interest rates go back up, I do believe that we're going to see a big sell-off on Bitcoin. Also gonna be a, we're going to see a big sell-off in the stock market mm-hmm. because now when interest rates go back up to you know 3 4%, now the the measure of security, which is the bond market, is going to work like it's supposed to. Because in a, in a lot of ways, since March, we've had a broken market. Mm-hmm. Because there's the 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 people that would go to bonds for safety instead of that, they bought Apple. You know, they bought Facebook, Google, Tesla. Yeah, if you bought in March, kind of like I did, it was the first, the second time I decided to get into stocks. 
you feel like a genius right now. Yeah. You're like, I know how to pick them. <laughs> <laughs> I've even sent you like two of the stocks that I've owned, and I'm like, hey, bro, uh, what are your thoughts on these ones? Because they're up, and they're up big, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, God, get out. The balance sheet's horrible. I'm like, oh, snaps, I'm selling, you know. And so... <laughs> and so so, so that that's the rise. That's the the bullish market we've been in since April, since like you know March and April. That this this big recovery sentiment, because Wall Street in itself realized, wait a second, big business in itself, and this is part of the disconnect between the real economy and Wall Street, because you know the stock market represents how big companies are doing, how these big multi billion dollar cap companies are doing. They don't ref- they don't reflect, you know, your mom and pop stores or you know your little restaurants. They don't reflect that. So when Wall Street realized, wait, we're going to get tons of stimulus. These companies have actually advanced their technology by like five years in the blink of an eye, because all of a sudden, instead of you having to come to me, I can video you, or we can do transactions online and and accelerate the te- the, the tech trends by five years in the blink of an eye. So that's why we had this big recovery. Now, I do believe that we've reached that we reached the tip of that recovery, but now what comes next? That's the question. Yeah. Well, there's another round of stimulus checks coming in too. How do you think that's going to affect everything? So I think I think it's gonna it's gonna cause um, the overall market to go up slightly when those hit, but I think a lot of that is already priced in because the the, the stock market in itself it's a forward looking kind of device. I think so. Yeah. So when when these checks are announced, the stock already goes. The stock market already goes up, or stocks do, based on that information. So, when information comes in, the stock market automatically prices it. Prices it in. So, I think that's already priced in. Gotcha. Are we gonna see a a, a burst or a dot com bubble that I've heard some people talk about? I think that's very possible. Um, I think that we're gonna see. Uh, I think that we have different bubbles in the market. Um, the market in itself, I don't think it's a bubble, but I think we have a uh, different craziness going on, different different bubbles of crazy. Which the the first one I would I would jump into is the SPAC, which is the special purpose acquisition companies. Um, and if if you're on Reddit or if you're online, you'll see what those are. In which it's it's this this way of becoming public through like mergers and reverse mergers. Uh, a lot of EV companies, the, the electric vehicle companies are doing like like the Lordstown Mortars and, and the Lucid. They're doing those SPAC deals. There's also a lot of um, a lot of green energy companies that are doing SPAC deals. But those are structured so much differently. And people don't understand that they're just structured differently. And they're not really designed to give shareholders a lot of value. Um, the other bubble, I would say, is um, in... Um, in tech, I think there's 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 a bubble going on in tech because the multipliers of earnings, meaning the the price to earnings ratios and the forward ratios, are so high against the overall market that the the, the people that instead of running the bonds ran to these these uh, safe plays like Apple and you know Tesla, they inflated the price so much that the earnings will no longer justify that. Mm. I think that there, there 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 needs to be a reckoning there, um, which yeah. I welcome it. I, I really do because I think that when stocks go down, especially stocks that you like go down, it's actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing because it's time to go shopping. Yeah, it's time to it's go like, shopping. Say, say uh, when a Ferrari goes on sale, people would go buy it, but when stocks go on sale, no one's buying it. Yeah. They don't, at least they should change their mindset that oh exactly. my god, they're on sale. Exactly, and, and I see a lot of 
a, a lot of mentality from a lot of people of let's follow the crowd. We'll buy when stocks are doing good and we'll sell when they're doing bad. Yeah. It should be the opposite. Mm-hmm. If if you've done your work. If you've done your work, I, I for example, the, the company I have, Palantir, that I love. I love that company and I want it to go down so badly, but it doesn't. So I would welcome a sell-off in Palantir any day of the week, a massive sell-off, because I know I could buy it. And, be, and I know that that company is going to keep increasing their revenues and making me money that way. So when, when people sell, when stocks go down, that's short-term mentality. And people need to get over this short-term mentality. Do you think there's a housing bubble that's, that's going to burst as well? I think it's hard to say. I, I used to think there was. So the, the housing market is so strong, very little inventory prices are, are high but to to figure out what a certain sector is doing you have to listen to like what Nick was saying the conference calls mm-hmm. so if you want to find out how this the how this housing sector is doing you gotta you, you don't look at the news or, or CNN or Fox you don't look at any of that you got to listen to the conference call of toll brothers or DR Horton which is the largest builder in America or KB homes go listen to those guys see what they're saying mm-hmm. that's how you get the real pulse mm-hmm. of what's going on with housing or Home Depot, go look at Home Depot and see see what they're saying about their sales and about what's strong with their sales or what the weakness is. I do think that we've reached the top of the housing market. That mm-hmm. I, I do believe um, because of the uh, the forbearance on foreclosures and evictions. Yeah, and I think that's keeping a lot of people in their homes and driving inventory way down. Yeah, does pri- driving the prices up in which they're becoming unaffordable now for people. Yeah. Huh. So what about when those moratoriums all expire? I think that I think that's tough because I thought they were going to expire like four months ago. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I thought it, there's a lot of people like waiting for that to happen so that they could even so, like, buy a house. So they like can that. jump in and buy yeah. a house. Exactly. So um, that's that's the tough part. Like I would hate being a landlord nowadays. Can you imagine? No. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but when when it happens, but the, the, the part is, when is it going to happen? They just keep getting postponed and postponed and postponed. Yeah. I think we're due for a correction, but I don't see it being like the like 08 when, because nobody had equity back then and everyone was getting mortgages. Now banking restrictions are so, it's so hard to get a, there's very detail-oriented to get a. Right. To get and you don't have those now. balloon loans. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. I don't see it being as bad as that, but we're due for a correction. I mean. At least like five, ten percent. And corrections are healthy. Mm-hmm. People, people need to realize corrections and recessions are actually a normal part of the economic process. You can't just grow an economy forever. You're supposed to have changes in, in economic climate, and technology changes things, and and companies like GameStop are supposed to go broke if they don't innovate, right? Mm-hmm. So. That that's something that people need to realize. Co- corrections and, and decreases in stock prices, really normal. But it's part of uh, that's why doing your due diligence is so important. I got a question. Um, as far as uh, as far as gains and and making money off stocks, what are tips to reduce taxes as a stock investor? Oh man, do it as an LLC. I would say. Um, Open your Fidelity account or whatever with a corporation. Yeah, I would say that that's the only way. I'm I myself am trying to figure that out now. Can I like how do I reduce that? The the thing you have to know is if you buy a stock and you sell it under a year, you're gonna get charged your on on that profit your normal tax rate. 
So if it, you know your normal tax rate, whatever it is, 30, 35, whatever, there's also like really short-term capital gains that go up to 40%. So if you're day trading, your your tax rate could be or, all or the way. if you to, bought GameStop last week. Yeah, or if you bought yeah. GameStop, yeah. how many of these Redditors are putting away 40% of their gains? No, they're going to have a rude awakening come yeah. tax time. If, if they're spending their money and they're out there living it up, yeah, when it comes tax time, you, they're, they're going to have to wake up. Um, it, and the reason I do long-term also is because of taxes. Because if I hold a stock over a year right now with the current rules and I sell it after a year, my tax rate is 15%. So instead of me paying a 30 40% tax on my gains, I'm going to pay 15% if I hold over the long-term. Mm. Okay. And... You got a question, John? Yeah. Uh, without getting too political, how do you see changing from a Trump administration to a Biden administration affecting the stock market? So Trump was very focused on the stock market. I mean, he was a cheerleader for the stock market. and He based his success off of it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I I don't think I ever recall a president calling a, um, a, a, a press a press you know release or whatever just to say hey we got new records uh thank you very much have a have a good day mm-hmm. I, I don't think i've ever re- remembered that and you know since i've been alive but with with biden i think that this the stock market ha- hasn't reacted adversely to his um to his policies i think that the one danger is the increase in the corporate tax rate that is the one danger I thought that in the in the January fifth uh, runoffs in Georgia, if the Democrats took the Senate, we would see a sell off. We didn't see that. Mm-hmm. We saw the opposite. So whenever you think the stock market is going to do one thing, it does the opposite. So I try not to focus too much on politics. I, I probably spend maybe five percent of my time doing my stock research into the big macro, political, and and overall world news unless it's something systematic if only everybody else could do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and that's focusing on what you can control and focusing on which stocks are winning versus my thought is you 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 can spend all day watching cnn or fox i spend i I spend whatever time i have uh watching tv watching cnbc or recording certain cnbc shows that i like and listening to stock news okay yeah and I think this is the last question I have. Um, without going too much, maybe just highlighting one thing and why, one reason why you like each of these stocks. Um, give our listeners, and and I do want to add like we're gonna have to add like a disclosure at the beginning sure. of this. Like we're not we're not you know experts. experts we're not financial advisors. Where yeah. this is just complete yeah. conversation. Yeah. Period. Um, but what are the five best stocks to hold forever for long term investors? Oh wow. Five stocks to hold forever. You can only own five. I can only own five and, and five that I would hold forever. Oh, that's a good question. I guess I would start with, man, I think I'm making pull my portfolio up. <laughs> Let me see. Ooh. This is crazy. That's one of those like just last minute. What, are you saying like stocks that I currently own or stocks that I uh, wish I would own forever? Wish you could own forever. Own forever. Oh, man. That's a tough one. So I would say... I have a, I have a stock right now um, called Planet Thirteen. It's not traded on, on the on the stock exchange. It's traded on the on the over the counter stock exchange, which is a different stock exchange. Planet Thirteen is a is our weed dispensary here. I thought it sounded familiar in Las Vegas. I, like, I know I've seen that logo somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Planet Thirteen, and it's it's a weed dispensary, and they uh, they're they were a very low cap. Um, um, Business, meaning it was a very minimal business, 
But I think that there's a lot of potential there when it comes to growth when marijuana is legalized. And the business itself, I, when I've been in there, it's always busy. It's always full. So, and, it, and I thought, is this publicly traded? And I saw that it was. And I started looking more and more and more into it. And through through my private stock group and a bunch of different people online, we decided, hey, it's time. Like, we, we need to pull the trigger on this. And we did. Um, and we pulled it, like, at $1.60. It's trading at about $5.50, $6 now. So I've, we've made a healthy profit so far. Mm. But the business itself... I think has so much potential over the next 10, 20 years that I think I can hold that for maybe not forever because I'm not going to live forever, but for a long time. Yeah. That's crazy that like uh, like a marijuana business that can't even like have like its own bank account can have like be publicly traded on like a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's publicly <laughs> traded, not, not in the New York Stock Exchange, but in the, in the over-the-counter markets. And that stock in itself, if you look at their 10K report, you're going to see this crazy growth plan when they're able to actually transport weed across state lines yeah. and when they're able to take advantage of conventional banking that's going to be huge yeah and they're going to turn into a big money maker so they have their store here in las vegas they're going to they're opening their store in anaheim like really close to disneyland and they're looking at houston seattle so this is a massively exploding business that is going to be worth billions later Let's on. talk more about that a little bit later yeah. <laughs> no you know i always find it so funny when i when i you know if you go into a dispensary you see that it's always busy people always have money for that yet i'm in the business of selling insurance and people don't have money to make their insurance payments so it's just like it's just so funny but but let's go where the money's at right yeah so uh, another stock that i i really like that i think i could hold so that's for a one long time. Uh, that's that's uh give, 13. give us three give, give you three okay the next one is palantir Palantir is a government contractor, also has a public sector, uh, you know, uh, contingent for data software. It's called a SaaS, S-A-A-S, which is software as a business. And what they do is that they have this software that interprets data and has artificial intelligence and data analytics for decision making for business, for big business, and U.S. military and NATO allies. So... This company is headed by Alex Karp and Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel is one of the one of uh, Elon Musk's buddies from back in the PayPal days. Uh, he's also involved with Facebook, I believe. But I, I could kind of he comes with a little bit of drama. I could kind of care less about him. I, I'm really excited about Alex Karp, which is uh, the CEO of the company. And this company just did a demo day um, on the 20, I think it was the 26th. Yeah. The 26th of January, they did a demo day. I encourage everybody to go look on YouTube and just put Palantir demo day and look at what they do because their, their public sector product called Palantir Foundry is a software that will let business, big business identify solutions for big problems that will help them increase their revenues. So that's the their their private sector, their public. I'm mean, I'm sorry, their their military government sector software is like something out of Mission Impossible. And during the demo day, my jaw was just open because it it's like watching you know Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible pull up a little iPad and go through like little you know like looking through buildings and looking looking at little different strategic options and where this chopper's coming in to drop in the ammo and stuff like that. I mean, it was just impressive to me. So. That company came came public. Uh, I think it was around around August or September. Held them, 
since since they became public, I'm already up like 300%. I expect to be 10, 10 times my initial investment wow. on that company over the next two to three years. You've always talked about that that company, and uh, and I've never... Yeah, with, with tech, like AI and machine learning is like the future of tech for sure. Oh, yeah. And and if you we if you list- scratch the surface of some of the stuff yeah. that we've seen in these movies, yeah. And and if you hear Alex Carr, he says we're going to be the most important software company in the world. And in three to five years, you're going to find that out. And I believe him 100. percent Okay, so that's two. That's two. So you got Wii Technology. Okay, Wii <laughs> Technology. Let me think. What else? What else do I like out there? I like Beyond Me. I think Beyond Me I can hold for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. So beyond me, I mean, it's 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 obviously a great replacement for for beef. I think it's good for the environment. I think that that's a company that can increase their re- revenues ten times what they're doing now, especially through that Pepsi partnership because it brings in a worldwide distribution channel through Pepsi, and and, and more people are are wanting to go like vegan, and, and yeah, that's only going to get more popular. I think that's 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 a big trend, and it's it's just. It, I think it's a it's a good it's a good thing for the environment. It's a good thing for us for our health, and it's it's a good company overall. It's very well run, very very well yeah. run. I mean, they're everywhere now. Like you can go to any fast food joint, and that was a problem, which was like for for people that don't eat meat, is they don't have nothing to eat. But and you know you know what what triggered them to or what caused me to like them in the first place is I had I had these two girls at work that were they would eat they would never eat beef. They they were like the non beef eaters. And one day they're like, hey, you want to go to Burger King and get a burger? I'm like, wait, wait, but I thought you didn't uh, get any any beef. He's like, oh, no, the Beyond Meat one. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. And then I started looking into it more and more, and I, and I thought, man, this, this, this is good. I thought their valuation was a little bit overvalued at the time. But the more and more I thought about it, I thought, no, maybe they're, maybe they're undervalued against two to, to a two to ten year outlook. I think they're very undervalued still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's all the questions I had. Yeah, there was one more point that I wanted to bring up, but well, look at your notes, man. And we could talk about this all day. <laughs> I could yeah. talk about this all yeah. day. I I think you've answered all the questions. So if if someone wanted to get coaching from you on on stocks or getting into to investing, where can they find you at? Uh, so on Instagram at the Wall Street Rooster. Uh, just you know, uh, follow, follow there, send me, send me a message. Uh, I've done meetings with people through, uh, zoom or ring central video time, even whatever, whatever they want to do, but I'm happy to talk to them. Just understand my time is limited. I don't have time for, you know, 50, 60 people, but let's talk. Send me your questions. I'll be more than happy to help you. That's all I've got. It's gonna come to me afterwards, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I've got, man. Thank you guys. Shoot, shoot him a DM later, Nick. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, guys. Hey, follow, follow one, follow the Wall Street Rooster. This guy knows his stuff. Um, if you are interested in stocks, he's the one to um, uh, to talk with. So um, you won't regret it. Yeah. So thank you, one. Thank, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Cool.